0: Okay, oh, hey. we're good, uh, right, um, so I'm, I'm glad I had sort of surgical tape with me, uh, not because we're going to do an operation but uh, we had a, a prayer meeting before we started on a Sunday morning on the Tuesday uh, night before and I was the first person to put this thing on and it was like, a, it was like some boom, it was just all over the place and then Colin did some uh, very clever adjustment and uh, now we're good to go. So, it's a, a, an honor and a, a privilege to have the opportunity to uh, preach here in uh, our, our own local church uh, after uh, 12 weeks we've been going, this is the 12th Sunday, um, so that's good. I want to be done by half past-ish, is that right? 25-2, oh, it gets an extra five minutes, Okay. good, I'll not do the joke, oh, okay, well, what, is, uh, what does it mean when a... Uh, pastor puts a, a watch on a lectern. Absolutely nothing. Um, okay, so uh, I'd also like to just say that, um, uh, just give uh, honor to Colin for uh, what a really good job he's, he's done uh, in uh, doing all these messages in the, for the last 11 weeks and how he... Uh, he uh, leadership sometimes is about, you have to step into the environment before you, you actually can... It's the only way you can do it, is to do it. Uh, so uh, lots of positive feedback, about uh, how Colin has communicated, uh, what has come uh, with his communication, the presence of the Spirit. So uh, that's all uh, great. And this is all uh, a great adventure that we're really enjoying. So we're doing a new message, uh, our new message series, and it's called uh, Kingdom Worldview. Uh, So this morning what I'm going to do is give an overview of that, um, talk about content, direction, uh, as to where we're likely to go with that. Uh, And we're going to answer and ask a few questions, which is, what is worldview? Uh, Come to the, hopefully, conclusion uh, without any uh, dispute that everybody has a worldview. Uh, Talk about the influence and the effects of worldview, and then the invitation and application of a kingdom worldview and kingdom culture. Okay? So, the the first thing is, what is a worldview? Well, a worldview... uh, uh, was, desire, was defined by a guy called Ken Sire who said it's a set of presuppositions or assumptions uh, that we hold consciously or subconsciously about the basic makeup of our world. Uh, and so it's like a, a, a pair of... Uh, some people talk about just ordinary glasses. I actually prefer uh, sunglasses to explain what a, a worldview is. Uh, so it's a lens... Uh, Because of your your upbringing or your experience or whatever has happened to you, whatever country you happen to live in, whatever your gender happens to be, whatever even necessarily your social class happens to be, it's a a lens that filters out the world so you see it from your perspective and where you're coming from. Uh, And that filter uh, can distract, distort, deflect, and ultimately um, darken the original image that we're going to look at. Uh, whatever we happen to be. Um, so it produces a way of thinking uh, and seeing and behaving that seems right to you. So our worldview is, it's our, it's our reality. Uh, this is it. That, that's, that's just our assumption and presumption. And because we didn't actually consciously uh, put the glasses on, it, it just sort of came as we went through life. We're not actually aware that we're, we're wearing this worldview, and, and so until we become aware of it, sometimes there's a whole lot of things that we can miss. Um, so uh, the additional and foundational contributors to our worldview in our we country, uh, there are three additional things, um, and uh, maybe uh, Russell coming from England or Tracy coming from the Republic uh, uh, might or. He calls it Mexico, but uh, Monaghan. <laughs> Nathan comes from Monaghan. <laughs> Actually, Mexico, I never thought of it before. Mexico, Just it just sounds right for Monaghan, you know, going across the border and stuff like that. Anywho, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this to a greater or lesser extent, depending on how long you've, you've lived in, in our wee country. Uh, but there's religion. Uh, in in uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 5, it says, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. So it's like the Pharisees, it's all about behavior. It's all about uh, outward appearance, and it's not actually about the heart. And, and we know lots of examples of, of that in our wee country. Parochialism. Uh, so that's where we have a very limited and narrow outlook on life. Uh, it's, it's what we know, because this is where we live. So We, we know and iron, and that's the way it is. And We sort of miss uh, what's happening in in the world outside because we're we're very narrow in our outlook, even though we have access to the Tinder web and all the rest of it. Um, And then there's culture Uh, the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society. So uh, we're known for killing people with kindness, Uh, we're known for our Ulster fries, and and we're known for uh, complaining incessantly about the weather. It's a glorious day but it's a bit warm in here, isn't it? You know, uh, we've always got something a little bit negative to say about the weather because it's always changing. The ultimate classic example of worldview will, would have been what's happened in the last week in our we country and the, the death and burial of Martin McGuinness. Um, you'll see worldviews and you'll see that the differences of worldviews abound and some of them are very clear. So for some people way too orange, or, or way too green, uh, or way too gracious, uh, or um, uh, just uh, too liberal, or, uh, so there's a whole lot of ranges, and if you happen to have the uh, uh, opportunity, let's use that word, to listen to Stephen Nolan and hear all the different opinions that people would throw into things, it's all over the place, and people are talking about their worldview. And without getting into the detail of that, they can't see a problem with something or, or somebody else looking at the same thing sees something completely different because of their worldview. Uh, and uh, in the simplicity of two worlds colliding, uh, the tragic circumstances of Westminster uh, during the week, uh, two worldviews colliding. Uh, and and uh, some of us uh, just cannot possibly get our head. Why? Why? Would you take a car and just drive in it to innocent why would you do that? And, and their worldview is uh, uh, warped and distorted and darkened uh, very darkened that you would do that um, So we all have a worldview now as we go in this series, what I really really what we really really don't want you to do is to get into condemnation and judgment okay it's not about that it's just about simply pointing out how we look at things, how we, how we view things. Uh, uh, it's about who we are, uh, where we uh, have or are coming from. Uh, so in our wee country, uh, apparently uh, your guy Greg was uh, voted the second uh, best player in the European football championships, even though he didn't actually uh, play. But the song of the football fans was so in- incredible, and uh, they're known all, all, all over the world as great football fans. And then, like him or loathe them, you've got Hugo Duncan. Like, like, what's that all about? Uh, and then you've got the, the insanity of things like uh, Tordale Avenue and people looking in the outside and trying to work out. So hold on a second. So you're really saying that, that we nearly came to, this country nearly came to civil war because people wanted to walk through about 150 yards of road. That's what this is all hinging on. And, and it's like, what's that all about? That's all about worldviews. That's all about how we look at things, how we view things, and how we understand things. Uh, so what are the influences and effects of worldview? Uh, well, the first thing is that, that it tends to produce a false reality. Uh, there's a guy called Professor Tim Sanders. I don't know if he actually was the founder of the A.O. Leadership Program, but he was heavily involved in it. And what he did was uh, he identified people usually in their mid-20s to late-30s, uh, did a battery of tests on them, Uh, to find out what their weaknesses and their strengths were and then help them to make a progression from being an ordinary leader to being an extraordinary leader, okay? Uh, And what he discovered was uh, that there's fake good and there's fake bad. Fake good would be the 23-year-olds just out of university going for the first job application, uh, job interview, and they're all singing and all dancing. Of course, you can do that absolutely zero experience, but they're selling themselves. It's fake good. Uh, And the other extreme would be fake bad, uh, which would be uh, where somebody is so uh, down on themselves and so negative about themselves that what they uh, present is, is just not true. And the classic example in our wee country would be uh, somebody saying, everybody in the room knows that they're gifted. Everybody in the room uh, knows something about them, but they're going, no, no, I, I just, uh, they can't receive it. Uh, or, or. Uh, presenting you with some glorious uh, food and and giving you an introduction about sorry, so your chickens are a wee bit dry and did this or did that, Uh, uh, that uh, we we can be uh, quite uh, negative about each other. Fake bad in Northern Ireland, the Northern Ireland culture by this guy, Tim Sanders said, it was so prevalent that they actually had to discard the test results from the people in Northern Ireland because of the way they looked upon themselves, very negatively put themselves down didn't embrace the reality of who they actually were because it was a false reality. So you can have a false positive reality. False positive reality is my life has falling apart. Peter comes up to me and says, How's it going? I goes, it's good, it's great, it's fantastic. Divorce hell, right? but it's all good, you know. I was sleeping with this woman here, but you know, it's fine, everything's good, you know. Just total uh, false uh, reality. Uh, Uh, false positive reality false negative would reality uh, would be um, things like uh, not too bad uh, which is actually I suppose the opposite of not too good which is actually obviously not a good thing but we say not too bad as the guy that used to answer the phone in the uh, uh, when we were trying to buy a house he phoned him up he said how's it going there Uh, and he go not too bad it's like what is that that's got, how many negatives is, are in that? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I'm not sure. Uh, but we we're, we're have a, a false negative reality. It's not actually that bad. It's not that much of a, a, a problem. Um, but what the, the uh, false reality does is it it fuels and produces subjectivity over objectivity. So subjectivity is based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. Depend on the mind or on an individual's perception of his existence objectivity is not influenced by personal feelings or opinions and considering or representing facts it's not dependent on the mind for existence it's actual it's a matter of fact it it is so subjectivity gives life and right to our soul to dominate that's our our will our mind and our emotions so it's all about our position it's all about our thoughts. It's all about our feelings. It's what it seems like. It's what it feels like. But objectivity is about what it is like. What it is like. So, what is the biblical kingdom worldview? And the invitation and application of that. Well, in Matthew 6 33, in the amplified version, it says, Jesus says, But first and most importantly, seek aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God and all these things will be given to you also. Or in the message it says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. So if we contrast that with the concerns that are not being met, uh, because in our lives we are not steeped in God reality. We've got, we're just not into the reality of God, his promises, his truths. God's promises are conditional on our response. John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth. Jesus says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you... Now, most people can answer that, That fill in the last word of that, that verse, but if we really knew that, if we really owned that, if we really knew the truth, we would be free, and we know that uh, it's, it's evident in how we live our lives that often that's not the case. We don't live with the, uh, we, we live with a non-fulfillment of the freedom. So what's the disconnect? Well, uh, how might we really know and own these truths? We need We need true perspective. We need to get the sunglasses that darken, that limit who God says he is and what he says he will do off and away. There's a biblical example of this in 2 Kings verse 6. If you've got Bibles or on your phones or whatever, you want to look it up. It starts at verse 8. And it's about Elisha and the Arameans. Uh, Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which one of you is on the side of the king of Israel. It's like a scene, one of those box sets, you know, the thrillers. Get all the officers in the room and he goes, Okay, who's the mole? Somebody has betrayed us. Uh, it's all like uh, tense. He's going to kill uh, whoever's doing that. And they say, None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom so it's not about high-tech surveillance but it is about holy spirit revelation go find out where he is the king ordered so i can send men and capture him the report came back he is in dothan then he sent the horses and chariots and a strong force there they went by night and surrounded the city so they went by the stealth under darkness when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And I had a little bit of poetic license here. It's almost like, you know, he's got the the, the servants. He's, Elisha's reading the paper there, uh, you know, morning paper. And the servants are getting the cappuccino or the Americano and the Uh, thing for him getting his croissant ready Uh, and he uh, pulls back the blinds and suddenly realizes oh my goodness we're we're surrounded by this army Uh, what shall we do and he, uh, Elisha nonchalantly says which tends to be the case when uh, prophets of the Old Testament happen to have the direct line to the uh, king of kings and lord of lords not particularly fussed because they know how it's going to work out and he goes don't be afraid the prophet answered those who are with us are more than those who are with them and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. So the servant's looking out with his, and he, and he sees with his natural eye. the are people, but he doesn't see with his spiritual eye. Uh, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road, that, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and they were inside Samaria, surrounded by the uh, army of Israel. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them, so that they may eat and drink, and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. Get the last line. So the bands of Aram, Aram, stopped raiding Israel's territory. No surprise there. Uh, it's a it's a story and an account of revelation and the Spirit of God. It's an account of false perception and who really is surrounded and outnumbered. It's a story about deliverance, defeat, mercy, and peace. You almost imagine the, the army walking down and uh, giving a Peter K line, what was that all about? Did, what, what What happened there? What happened there was what uh, Colin was talking about last week, Exodus 33. They were in the presence of a distinguished people. They were in a presence who had the, the Spirit of God. And because they had the Spirit of God, things happened that were beyond their understanding, beyond their ability to comprehend. So, how many of us feel surrounded by history, circumstances, needs, weaknesses, and pain? Who can only see the enemy's forces all around, surrounded? How many of us uh, need eyes to see the truth and the truth that will set us free? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And he looked and he saw that the hills full of horses and chariots because there are more with us than there are with them. That's a kingdom worldview right there. A kingdom worldview will give us a true positive reality. When we're surrounded, you know, we're surrounded by two prongs of a Western world worldview. The first one is there's no such thing as absolute truth. And the only absolute truth is that there is no truth. And those that are into no absolute truth will always correct me when I say that. And the other one is that we are open to anything. Anything anything of, uh, of religion, anything uh, spiritual except Christianity. Yeah, so they, so we're living a, uh, we living a—we don't accept absolute truth, and we're super tolerant except of things Christian, because Christianity tends towards uh, absolute truth. And uh, the body of Christ on a number of issues is faced with the fact that that absolute truth and position of absolute truth is getting eroded uh, and getting tolerated. The good news is that if we know the truth, seek first the kingdom, then we can free, be free and all our everyday human concerns will be met. Matthew six thirty three. And it is the simple, objective, absolute truth versus subjective lies and deceptions of the world, ourselves, and Satan. So in John 10, 10 uh, Jesus said, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And then he goes, but I have come to give you life in all its fullness. We have an invitation to go from the place of darkness, the place of restriction, the place that where we listen to the lies, uh, that we're bad mothers, that we're not going to amount to a, a hill of beans, that what has been done to us or we have done excludes us from the ability to get the fulfillment. So we're in the back seat. We maybe get the ride in the bus, but probably not because we're not worthy. We've got to know the truth, the truth that sets us free, the truth that says that we're uh, fearfully and wonderfully made, the truth that says we can be forgiven from all our sins and set free. We need to get the specs off. So a kingdom worldview will give us a true positive reality. It will also give us a true negative reality. So the bad news is that this series may expose, uh, as you are called, compelled, and convicted to embrace your true negative reality and become challenged to become a kingdom culture people. But we're not about conviction. We're about, uh, sorry, we're not about judgment. We are about conviction. It says in Romans 8, uh, verse 1, that there's no condemnation and judgment that those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not about that. We don't want to do that. Uh, so don't submit to the lies. Embrace the true negative reality that you're under conviction and yield as we go along this journey. Maybe you're, you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about uh, something that you're experiencing today. Apply the, the kingdom culture principles and dynamics of James 4, 7 that says, uh, uh, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what that means is that we renounce the lie and announce the truth, uh, directing it to God and effectively say to Satan, uh, "Shut your filthy mouth." Uh, we don't actually get engaged with that because so often we're going, we've got our glasses on and we're going, we're going in the wrong direction. We're going, look, I know I'm a bad mother, or they're trying to, uh, or I know that I made mistakes or whatever, and we're trying to wrestle with Satan about the things that we did. He's a master of lies and deceit. We want to turn away from that, get our glasses off, and go. I, I am, I am sorry for what I've done, uh, or I accept the fact that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I announce the truth, and I want to submit to you. Satan can't get you. Satan can't engage with you. Satan can't talk to you because you are looking to God, connecting with God. So, what is the destination of a kingdom culture worldview? The destination is freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1. It was for this freedom that Christ has set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. Oswald Chambers says, yielding to Jesus will break every form of slavery in any human life. Dennis Bournes, he's coming in about three or four weeks' time. We live too much under restriction and limitation that he is not the author of and freedom is not a thing it's not a better life it's the very spirit of jesus second corinthians 3 17 and 18 where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and our destination our destination our destination is to be more like jesus we have a sort of a joke when uh, people are asking us about our church and we say What's your name? We say we're Destination Church. We're not saying if you've arrived here, you've reached your, the destination, but we're on the destination to be more like Jesus. That's what we're all about. Ephesians 4, 11, 13, to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. John 10, 10, his call is fullness, life in all its fullness. That life in all its fullness is Jesus. The biblical kingdom worldview is Jesus, because Jesus is the Word. The Word made flesh. John 1, 1 to 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We see Jesus, and in worshiping him, become more like the object that we are worshiping, Jesus Christ, objective, specs-free worldview. In conclusion, i finish with this. On your uh, cards that have been neatly stacked by the kids, you'll see that there's a four-step freedom plan. Uh, it's underneath your cards. You want to uh, pick it up and have a quick look at it there? It came from the, uh, from Dennis, uh, the, the first four verses that he learned, uh, the, the encouraging thing about the house of uh, AMI and the house of DCB is the person that really uh, was the founder member of it had a life that was significantly more messed up than most of our lives have ever been or ever might be. Absolute disaster. Rock bottom, met Jesus, got into a relationship with him, uh, found the church that restored him, uh, found his, he got his, his family and his, his, his wife back together. It's a great story, but he learned these four verses first, verses, first four verses he learned. He learned hundreds of verses in the first year of his uh, relationship with Jesus. I have, uh, in my profession, I am an optometrist, and I was just trying to work it out. I reckon that I have written a spectacle prescription for 90,000 plus people in my career to date, give or take a few thousand. Right. Uh, I have had people uh, uh, with a very mild prescription who got a, their first pair of glasses stand at the front of, of our, our work and, and they're looking like this and then they put their glasses on, and they go like this. I've had a guy that, uh, so a lot of people uh, who are short-sighted, they're, they're probably between three and six units of short-sightedness they're very short-sighted, roughly speaking, right? Uh, I had a guy who had a prescription that was 25 I increased his prescription by five units, five diopters. Russell knows about this. Uh, five diopters, he said. Uh, and when your numbers are every year getting higher and higher, he was actually from another country. And, and he came and I said, look, uh, trust me. And I gave him contact lenses. He put the contact lenses in and he, he swore for about, it seemed like for an age in the room, he stood up and he just went, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And just got louder and louder, because he, he could actually see. Minus 25 means that uh, five centimeters from your eye out is blurred. It's hard to get your head around that, right? Nothing regarding spiritual prescriptions can compare to what you have in your hand there. Uh, uh, what I have in the natural, what you're basically doing is you're popping out the lenses and you're throwing away the glasses. and You're going to go, I am going to live a kingdom worldview. I am going to submit myself to the truth, the truth that will set me free. I am going to take action on the truth and be obedient to what Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty four. And I am going to listen to the word. I'm going to obey it. And I'm going to be like the wise man that built this house upon the rock. And the storms may come and the enemies may come and close in on me, but I am going to stand my ground. Nathan, do you want to get ready there? You're going to look, Learn to secure your minds from Satan. So whatever is true, uh, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, think on these things. If you're thinking about something that isn't these things, then it's not of God. You've you're got your glasses on and you're down in uh, John 10, a eh, where Satan is coming to kill, steal, rob, and destroy, rather than have your glasses off and have your kingdom worldview that you can Dwell and have your mind secure. And the final part is learn to listen only to Jesus' voice. Demolish every pretension, every nonsense, every lie that says this is the way it works, this is not true, this is not absolute truth. Control that. Tell it to shut your filthy mouth and be silent and yield to who God is and who he calls you to be. Please stand with me. So every Sunday we serve with the spirit servant. John 6:63 6, says, the Spirit brings light, the flesh profits nothing and to help us to respond we have questions and the questions are simply this: Would you like your spiritual eyes opened? Would you like to get real whether it's positive uh, uh, reality or it's a negative reality? Would you like to become more like Jesus? Would you like to get your glasses off? and experience the revelation of Jesus. If you can answer yes to any of those questions, I encourage you to come forward. And as Colin says every Sunday, just come forward and get with the spread serving anyway. Please, come forward.